0: Welcome to the Southland Christian Ministries podcast. Here we will post sermons that have been spoken at the camp from pastors, evangelists, and other gifted speakers. We desire to provide this resource to help you saturate yourself with the word of God on a regular basis. We pray that you would allow the spirit of God to use the word of God to change your life for God's own glory. Let's say Philippians two 5. You ready? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's say it one more time. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So first of all, what do we see? He had the right to heaven, but he came to earth. What else do we see? Jesus had a right to be served, yet he comes as a servant. Jesus had a right to be served, yet he comes as To be a servant. Philippians 2, verse number 7. What's it say here? Well, we look a little bit further. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Okay, the words no reputation, it's actually one Greek word. And that Greek word gives us the idea of empty. 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 Uh, I, oh, it's, it's, okay, there's nothing, I'm, I'm not coming with this. Okay, um, he made himself of no reputation. He didn't come with this, this predetermined expectation of, okay, you're going to have to do this and this and this. We're going to have to have an arrangement on how this is all going to, you know, this is going to shake down. We're going to have to have, forgive the, the silliness of this, but we're going to have to have some kind of a prenup to make sure that we're all understanding how this arrangement's going to work. You know, in in Scripture, there's no prenuptial arrangement, okay? There's just a covenant that is binding. And what Jesus does is when He comes, He made Himself of no reputation. It's not like, okay, hey, listen, if I'm coming, we're going to do so with this understanding. Okay, we're all going to understand. Now, I expect this and this and this and this. I get it. I I know in, in real life terms, we do have certain expectations. How many of you have never eaten at McDonald's before? Never eaten at McDonald's? Never? Quite incredible. Give that lady a round of applause. Okay, so, okay, never eaten at McDonald's. Now this is also interesting. If you did, I wonder what kind of expectations you'd have. They should be very low. Okay, right. Okay. when you go to McDonald's, I mean, we do have some, like a Big Mac supposed to be this way, a quarter pounder's supposed to be this way, fries are supposed to be this way, and the apple pie is supposed to be. Okay, we have certain expectations, right? How many of you have ever had, even because it's supposed to be the same, wherever you are, how many of you have ever had your expectations disappointed? Repeatedly, Okay. Because it's just like, oh, man, couldn't they have done better with? My dad is, um, my dad's 80 years old, and um, he, my dad has Parkinson's. So dad is, you know, declining with Parkinson's. But dad has a great sense of humor. But my dad has this memory of a, of a, a burger at the Denver airport from Burger King. And to my dad, that is now the new standard of burgers. <laughs> A burger at the Denver airport that he got from Burger King. It is his like that was I'm telling you that was the best burger I ever had. OK, well, for whatever reason, you know how sometimes things come together and you're hungry and I don't know, somebody cooked it right and whatever. Man, that's his new. That's his standard. He says that to me all the time. We'll talk about a burger. So you know, I, I know dad in Denver at the Burger King. Right? <laughs> Expectations. So Jesus comes and he comes empty. There's there's nothing that I'm saying I'm gonna, I have to have this and this and this and this. What do you have to have? What do you have to have? Now, the danger of this kind of conversation, quite honestly, the danger of this kind of um, message is that um, people use it to manipulate others. That, that's dangerous, and I get that. And I don't think that a person should submit themselves to abusive situations. But I also think that we've, we've sometimes even redefined... I know this is challenging, and man, I, I don't know that I could say this in, in some groups that didn't have a level of maturity. But sometimes we have so redefined what even abuse is that anything can be abusive anything this takes certainly discernment and and wisdom on your part to hear it on my part to say it but Jesus just comes empty and if boy I'm so I wish there was a I wish I had greater wisdom as to how to communicate it but he did submit himself to that which you and I would say wow and why does he do so because he's coming to redeem those that we're under the law. He submits himself to the law. The, the, the lawgiver comes underneath. He, he has to come underneath it. Why? To redeem those that are under the law. To what end? That we might receive the adoption of sons. It's quite remarkable. What he, what he does as, as this one who comes, I, I'm coming empty. No, you don't have to do anything. No, I'm not expecting this from you. I'm coming empty. I'm coming to do for you what you could never do for yourself. Amen. Well, well, okay, Lord, I mean, there's got to be some give and take here, right? Like you provide something, I provide something. There's got to be, we got to meet in the middle on this, right? So when he comes, he comes empty. What a, what a powerful Means by which he came. What an incredible example. And he says, let this mind be in you. He's not saying, now this is only, d- listen, you don't have to do this. Don't even try to emulate because this is only, I know this is only what Jesus could do, but he does say, okay, now you should be thinking like this. You should start to process like this. Let this mind be in you. All of us want to be served and, and we sh- I would suspect many of you are involved in, in vocations and such that are serving people. Okay, we expect it. Uh, boy, this was some, some time ago. My son and I, I was working on a project and I needed some thick foam, okay, thick foam. And um, so I'm making this little case and I needed, I needed some thick foam. So the only place I could find it was at Joanne's Fabric, okay, okay. And it's not a store I go to often, just in case you're wondering. So, so I go to Joanne Fabrics, and I buy this really thick foam, and it's really expensive. I mean, I couldn't believe how much I am paying for this foam. And so I, I buy the foam, and, and I bought two sections of it. And, um, and I used one section, but I didn't use another. So I'm going to take it back, because it was expensive foam. And my son and I are there. And I go, it's all wrapped up, and I have the receipt and everything. And I take it to the front desk, and I say, hey, I'd like to return this. And the lady says, oh, you're going to have to go to, do you know the place, the big table at Joanne's, where they cut fabric and everything? And um, so you have to go there, and that's where they're going to, um, you know, give you a thing, whatever. They write it out that says that you can return this. So we go back there. There's nobody, honestly... There's nobody in the store, okay? There's a person at the desk, but there's no customers there. And so Connor and I, nobody else is around. And so I go up, I have my phone, and I go up and I say, hi. Um, And I mean, as soon as I said, hi, they asked me to come. She says, take a number. There's a little clip thing right there. You got to pop a number thing, okay? So I'm like, "Um, um, I just have to, she said, take a number. I'm like, Okay. See, Connor and I are kind of looking at each other. And I went over. You know, I take the little number and I say, I have one. She says, Okay, one moment. She goes over. I'm not kidding about this. She goes over to the microphone, number 32. (laughs) And I said, That's me. (laughs) And I walk up and I go through the process. Listen, nobody wants to feel like they just have to take a number. I know there's reasons why we take a number, okay? I get it, but that time, I didn't quite get it. All right. Oh, man. What what does Jesus do on our behalf? He comes empty. Like, okay, do I have to take a number? Okay. Do I have to, do I have to, do I have to submit myself to everything that, that the creation submits himself to? Amen. Yeah, willingly. Amen. So he comes, the creator comes as the created. And how is it that this becomes possible for him? Well, because he didn't, he didn't come with this list of, these are the demands uh, that you're gonna have to meet if I come. You're going to have to meet me here. Now, I'm going to come and do a lot for you. But for me to come and do this for you, you are going to have to do this for me. He doesn't do this. He, he, he had every right to be served. But he came to be a servant. You know, we, we oftentimes use the, the idea of bond servant. And that's the picture here. Okay bond servant like purchased in the old testament isn't this interesting in the old testament what was the price of a bond servant um you know when you read when you study this out 30 pieces of silver wow like a common common servant and and we even see this again like 30 pieces of silver The foxes have holes. When you think about what Jesus had, what does he lay aside? Okay, he leaves the splendors of heaven, comes to be a servant. What does he set aside? Everything. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He borrows a, a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee. He borrows a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. He borrows an upper room wherewith he will meet with his disciples. He borrows a grave, albeit briefly, okay? What does he do? He, he comes saying, I, "I there's nothing. Okay, I'll come, but you're gonna have to provide me with this and this. And he, none of that happens. He comes empty. He gave up his right to be served, to be served. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto Mark 10, 45, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Okay, so let's say our our Philippians 2, 5 again. You ready? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what does he do? Well, he has the right to heaven, but he came to earth. He has the right to be served, but he came to be a servant. Number three, Jesus had a right to... Now, I don't mean to communicate any vanity about this, but Jesus has a right to come and look like or be recognized as God. But he came and he looked like a man. Okay, again, Philippians 2, 7, and was made in the likeness of men. If you had a right to exist as God and no one would question that right, how would you choose to live? Okay, if you had a right to something, how would you choose to to function with that right okay um <clears throat> I suspect it's probably like this. I don't know, but, but how many of you have ever brought kids to camp here at Southland? Brought kids to camp? Okay, lots of you have. When you come and you bring kids to camp, are there certain things that you have a right to as a counselor that they don't have as a camper? Are there certain things? Is that how it works? How does that work, Brother Mike? How does, what, what, do some, what are some things that a counselor has a right to that a camper doesn't have a right to? They have their own private rooms. Oh, my <laughs> heavens. Okay. Most of the, like you get your own private room. Okay, how many of you are willing to say, I'm bunking with the kids, okay? Or how many of you, well, let me ask you, how many of you brought kids to camp before? Raise your hand. How many of you have taken advantage of the private room? Oh, well, well, well. <laughs> Okay, I mean, that's a pretty, okay. So for years, when I was a youth pastor, youth pastor for 15 years, I took kids to the Bill Rice Ranch. When I started taking kids to the ranch, you stayed with the kids, okay? You stayed there with them. Well, over the course of time, they, they modified that plan, and you got to stay in your own cabin. Do you know what I did? This is so wickedly deceitful, okay? I, I put up a bed in the kid's cabin, I had, a, I had a sleeping bag. I had the whole thing. I would go in, I, like, I'm doing devotions with the kids. Like, all right, guys, time to go to bed. Then you know what, I, I'd sneak out and go to my cabin. And let me tell you why, because I had a right to it, OK? Oh, and it was wonderful. I had air conditioning. Come, Somebody give me an amen there, you know? Come on, man. I'm going and I'm sleeping in my own bed. It was so wonderful. That's deceitful. I know, I know. But I, I was taking advantage of what I had a right to. What does Jesus have a right to be recognized as? Now, now sometimes we even say, hey, no, 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 no. I, do you, I, I'm this person. Does Jesus have this halo around his head that everybody knows, like, oh, that's different wow look at hey dear look at the guy with the halo he doesn't have a halo around his head what what does he have he has just like he comes in the likeness of now the likeness the bible's careful because it's not the same as sinful flesh but it's the wow it looked exactly like he wouldn't have stood out when we saw him there's no beauty that we should desire him he he is just coming as like oh hmm well who's that guy but, but does he have a right to come and be recognized? Yes. Now, one of the demonstrations of this is, is we, we, we call this the Mount of Transfiguration. He takes the three, the inner circle, up. And then it's, it's as if he just takes the robe and he just peels the robe. Jesus didn't lose any of his glory when he comes to earth, but he veiled his glory. Amen. So he comes and it's just like, he just takes the robe and he peels it back and poof, the glory of God and Peter opens his mouth and you know inserts his sandal, you know. <laughs> oh Lord, it's it's good that we should be here. Let's let's make three tabernacles and worship the and, and you can kind of see Jesus just like, oh, you know. <laughs> he just Peter doesn't know what to say. And oh boy, but but this is this is the revelation that wow, the glory. That, that, with, with which he will one day, there will be no more veiling. Amen. You know, we will see him as he is. Amen. Okay. Let's say it again. Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay. So what is it that he has? Well, he certainly has the right to be recognized for who he is. But he actually sets this right aside. The Bible says it this way in John 1, 4. The word was made flesh and dwelt. We referenced this before. Dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Dwelt. The word dwelt there means tabernacled. He, 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 this is, this is like right now our earthly tabernacle. We're dwelling in this. For a while, it's just like, you know, the, the, the tabernacle that God set up early on that housed the ark, it was, it was mobile. It would move around. It serves a purpose. It houses something of far more value than the tabernacle itself. That's you and I. And what does Jesus do? He came and he dwelt. He tabernacled among us. Amen. That's hard for us to oftentimes do because we we know we have certain certain rights that are ours. Though Christ came in the form of a man, there's coming a day, of course, when we will see him with no more veil. Behold now, we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see him, when he shall appear We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, as he truly is. Like, oh, something's going to change about me like changes about Jesus. What is this this dynamic that Jesus is displaying? The last one we're going to notice is Jesus had a right to be treated like God, but he was treated as a man. He has a right to be treated like God, yet he was treated as a man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Now think about this. And became obedient unto death. If you want to talk about the the ultimate in submission and surrendering of rights, he becomes obedient unto... Okay, whenever you hear the word death in the Bible... What do we always know that word means? Every time you read the word death, it always means this. Do you know that that word is? The word is separation. It always means separation. Okay, so to what degree does Jesus um, sub- submit or surrender his rights? To what degree? Okay, wow. Took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of, of, of flesh, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross okay it became obedient unto separation certainly separated from the splendor of heaven right separated from the recognition of who he is and then what is it that jesus when he hangs on the cross what does he what one of the statements on the cross ah oh, my god my god Isn't it interesting that when Jesus talks to God, he he so often, we read, he references him as father. But now he references him as God as he takes upon him the sinfulness of man. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Has there ever been a rend in the Trinity? Only when Jesus becomes flesh and becomes obedient unto separation. Death, that God, I mean, he doesn't cease to exist, but at that moment, God the Father turns his back on God the Son, and, and Jesus willfully submits himself to the same. What does he have to, does he have a right to uninterrupted fellowship with the Father? Amen. No question about it. But what does he lay aside? He lays aside his right to be recognized and to function fully as God. And now he takes upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness, becomes obedient unto death, even, not just what we would call death, but even the death of the cross. Let's say it again, Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What Paul is telling or inviting us to do is to pattern what he is about to explain about the person of Jesus Christ. You and I oftentimes function in a rights-based relationship. In fact, it wouldn't be uncommon, completely understood, all of us get it, when we say with our mouth or with our mind, uh, she had no right to, or he had no right to. Well, you talk to me like, you're gonna talk to me like that? You have no right to talk to me like that. True, you're, you're right. You did that to me, you, you have, I have every right to, at this moment to be very upset. That is absolutely true. I, don't, I think sometimes we try to diminish the right, but you actually do have the right. The challenge comes when we begin to mirror ourselves against the one that is to be our example. And then we start to think, what does that look like? If I am thinking like Jesus to let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, what does that look like? You know, what, what is it that he's inviting us to do? I think what he's, what he's inviting us to do is to in some way identify our rights and then transfer them to God. Amen. What are my rights in this relationship, in, in how I'm functioning, what I'm doing, how I'm interacting? you know, if you're interacting with your your spouse on a rights-based relationship, they're going to be violated continually. Because we, that again, kind of moves us back into the center of the universe. And now they're going to have to rotate around me based on my rights in this relationship. Again, I say this with a measure of caution. I'm, I'm not saying that, that there should be a relationship where there is ongoing physical abuse, manipulation. I think there needs to be intervention. But I also do believe that it's, it's dangerous for us to continually function on a rights-based manner, yeah. interacting as a husband and a wife. Yeah. Right. So what do we do? Well, Lord, I have to identify my rights. What is the source of contention? Because usually we get angry when a right is violated. Um, for example, how many of you have ever been bothered at someone in traffic who, who cut you off and they had no right to? Or we say, I had the right of way, correct? Okay, well, hold on to that. But, but you know, when we start to think about, like well, they, they cut me off and we're bothered because I had the right of way. In, in our lives, we function so often on a, you don't have a right to do that to me. Have you ever watched people explode on an airplane before? Listen, I was, I was on an airplane the other day. This was a, a about two weeks ago. So I get on the airplane, um, I, I had a special, a specific seat. We, had to, we paid for that seat, okay? So I went back and I said, um, hey, I think I'm in that seat. And he said, and the guy said to me, oh, I'm this, I'm this and this and this. And he started to quote all the things that he was with this airline. OK, so he's quoting all the statuses that he has with this airline. I said, huh. He says, yeah, you're supposed to go sit up there. So I was supposed to go sit in a difference. He said, he told me. I'm, I said, OK, hey, thanks. So I went up and I asked the, the attendant, the flight attendant. I said, "Hey, I'm supposed to be in in such and such a seat." And um, she said, "Oh, I'm so sorry." She said, um, "Would you mind sitting in that that this guy is this and this and this, you know?" And I said, no, I don't mind. She said, did you pay for that seat? I said, yeah, we did. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll make a move. I said, no, no, don't worry about it. I said, don't worry about it. I'll sit in. She said, I'll make a move. I said, no, no, I can tell it will be an issue. So I'll sit in the other seat. She says, I'll bring you free whatever you want drinks. I'm like, no, I don't want any. Okay, I, did, I, did, I didn't do any. She says, I'll, I'll bring you some. So she brought me some free snacks and stuff. But. Do you know what I perceived immediately from this guy is I have a right to because of who I am. I have a. Do you know subtly we bring that into our marriages and rather than come to serve, we come to be served. How do we how do we break that cycle? You have to identify what is it that you have a right to well, I have a right for him to treat me like this or to speak to me like this or I have a right for her to recognize that I had a bad day and I go to when I'm doing this and and I can't be expected to and oh, seriously, so she's always going to. So what rights do you have in your marriage? So now I start to identify these rights and then what I do is I say, okay, God, I'm going to, here's here's my list of rights. I'm going to transfer these to you. These these I give. It's exactly what Jesus does. He has all of these. Nobody, nobody denies that Jesus has a right to this and this and this. And I mean, he's God. But what does he do? He says, I'm gonna lay aside these rights. I have them, they're reasonable, they're understandable. But what am I gonna do? I'm going to lay aside. For what purpose? To something that is of a greater end. And so now what do we do? We start to say, okay, God, I know I have these rights, but I'm going to transfer these to you. When we give our rights to God, we begin to see now blessings. Now think through this, okay? If I have no rights, no rights whatsoever, I have no rights. Now whatever good thing comes into my life, it's not that I had a right to this. Seriously, now think through how much better uh, um, an an upgraded seat, for lack of a better illustration. Think about how much better an upgraded seat is if you don't have a right to it. Like, whoa, wow, I get to sit here? Wow, cool. Think about how different that is as, no, I have a right to this seat. Think about how different it is, a relationship that's not rights-based, but actually blessings-based. Now, the little touches of kindness, like, oh, I had no right to that, but that was so meaningful. Do you understand how gratitude begins to swell when rights diminish? The more rights-based my relationship is with my spouse, the more expectation I have. Well, they have to do this, 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 because I have a right to those things. But now I begin to set aside my rights. And now I start to look and it's like, wow, that was so thoughtful. Where did that come from? That was special. That was so sweet. That was kind. That was loving. Not because, well, you know, they should be doing that because I have a right to the same. So what do I do? I identify my rights and I transfer them to God. I begin to see his blessing. I begin to experience gratefulness. And then how does this all, what's the key that just like, wow, this puts the whole thing into place. Well, humble yourself. Humble yourself before God. Humble yourself before your spouse. In 1 Peter chapter five or six, the Bible gives us a wonderful invitation. Humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And then what's the, what's the residual? And he will exalt you in due time? This is a promise from God. This is not like a truism. That's like, oh, that would be nice if that happened. He says, no, 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 no. You humble yourself under my hand, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to exalt you at just the right time. Whew, wow. Wow. Now, God does humble us, but isn't it a gracious invitation for him to to, him to say, you can humble yourself. Amen. And let me tell you, it's a far better thing to humble yourself than to have God humble you. Amen. So today, as we wrap it up, let this mind, this thinking, this way of functioning, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Father, thank you that we can address you in such family terms. Father, and we can come with boldness, Lord, We do so all because of what was accomplished by your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Jesus, for humbling yourself, for becoming obedient, even to death, the death of the cross. Oh, Father, your son laid aside his rights so that we could have a right to be in your presence. Would you help us to lay aside the rights that we perceive we have, and may we begin to function with blessing. (laughs) Lord, oh, with, with such privilege, as opposed to functioning on a basis of rights. Help us, I pray, to have the mind of Christ. This we pray, because of Christ. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you know, this is a challenging reality. It's hard because we do know they didn't have a right to do that. They didn't have any right to say that. They didn't have any right to, ah, but, but I want his mind to be in me. The same mind that was also in Christ Jesus. How many of you just very quietly would say, whoa, whoa, That is my prayer. And I see that prayer, let this mind be in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, in in ways that I have needed to see today. And by God's grace, I I need to start practicing it. If that was for you today, why don't you slip up a hand and say, I acknowledge it today, Hmm, man. You know, it's very quiet in here right now, but would you just take a moment and just talk to the one who makes it possible. And maybe even identify some rights that have been frustrating to you and transfer them to God. God, I give you this right and may I begin to see your blessings in return. Just take a moment, talk to him in the stillness of of these moments. Lord, thank you again for the practicality of your word. It meets us right where we are, Lord. um, It's not that we have to to ascend to heaven to find answers or, or plummet the depths. Lord, the word's very nigh unto us. In our mouth, in our heart, that we may do it. Father, may by your spirit, we see these truths lived. And may we not ever go far from the admonition to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. Thank you again for the time together this morning. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the truths learned from the word of God will challenge your heart to a greater degree of love for God and a desire to make him known through your life. Join us next time for our next sermon. Thank you and God bless.